Hello and welcome to the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet Peace podcast. In the next few episodes, I will share audio chapters of book one of the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet book series titled One More Year. I hope you enjoy this story with a message to keep your stuff longer, even if it's just one more year, and in doing so, buy less stuff. Please enjoy chapters one through five of One More Year, Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet, Primer One. Chapter One, A.E. Nelson, 1959 Fishing Creel Wicker Basket with Leather Strap. High above sea level and within the blink of a peace-loving country, a narrow handle of a state contains one of the deepest, most beautiful glacier-formed lakes in the world. On a warm late spring afternoon, in a modern time when many say the earth will eventually not sustain human life, a strong swimmer pulls a paddleboard on a crystal-clear lake surrounded by steep, craggy mountains. Her curly, black-haired dog sits regally at the front of the board. The silence of the lake amplifies the rhythmic sounds of her stroke and breath. P, your turn. Pedro, known affectionately by Tilly as P, becomes alert, takes a few steps back and forth on the paddleboard as Tilly swims up and kisses him on the snout. Pedro leaps off the front, swims to find the harness, and takes it in his mouth. Tilly's smooth, long black hair shimmers on her back, in the sunshine as she pulls herself up strongly onto the board and attaches the harness to the joyous dog. Let's go, handsome, she says lovingly, then commands, P, go. Pedro happily pulls Tilly as she kneels on the board in a meditative pose, with the sun now low on the lake, their Ujjayi and canine breaths melding. P, stop, come. Pedro swims quickly back and Tilly lifts him onto the board. Go aft. Sit. Pedro reluctantly walks to the rear of the board and sits, whimpering a little, then a lot, wanting to be closer. Tilly pulls a weight out of a vintage fishing basket, ties it to a rope, and throws it into the water to anchor the boat. The water dog, accustomed to diving and retrieving objects underwater from the generations of fishing dogs in his ancestry, moves to jump in after it. No pee, stay. Good boy. Flowing smoothly through a series of yoga moves on the board as P watches, Tilly finishes standing in prayer pose, looks at her dog with a loving sparkle in her eye, pauses to enjoy his building excitement, then calls out, Play! In unison, they dive off the board and swim as fast as they can in a friendly race. Tilly looks up at Pedro, laughs, then swims faster to beat him and circles back. She climbs up onto the board and pulls him up too, giving him a big wet hug as he pants happily in her arms. Pedro barks suddenly. Tilly notices they have floated within sight of the shore of a small island, the anchor not having reached the bottom of the deep lake. What do you see? Pedro continues to bark and pace anxiously. Stay, P. I don't see what you see. Tilly looks around. Oh well, let's go. It's getting late. Tilly paddles towards the marina as Pedro paces, keeping an eye back on the shore, 
eventually sitting at the front of the board like a figurehead on an ancient ship. A chocolate Labrador jumps into the water to swim after them. She quickly realizes they are too far away, turns back, shakes off its shore, and runs up a trail that leads from the beach up into the woods. Chapter 2 White 1978 Toyota Longbed Pickup Truck Tilly paddles along the shore towards the marina. She and Pedro float by a small two-room log cabin where flower boxes sit under the front windows and a bicycle rests on the porch alongside a basket filled with herbs waiting to be planted. A bit further down the shoreline, a gargantuan structure of logs towers over the surrounding trees. Tilly counts 28 windows on the front of the three-story log house. It has a wraparound porch and boat dock with a guest house beside it larger than Tilly's cottage. There are three SUVs, one luxury sedan, four jet skis, two touring motorcycles, and a 38-foot travel trailer in the driveway. Burr, a lanky teenager, pumps gas into an old funky houseboat with a pirate flag. The boat belongs to Ike, a tan, leather-skinned man with tattoos and a white beard dressed in khaki shorts without a shirt. Look, Ike, it's Tilly. Burr's face lights up as he tries to look busy and important. I see them, he says grumpily. Look at you, all puffed up like a peacock on huckleberries. Settle down, Burr. You'll get gas on yourself and blow up like a firecracker when you light your joint after work. Burr ignores him and gives Tilly a big smile as she and Pedro approach the dock. Here's a spot, Tilly. I think P likes it over here. Pedro jumps onto the dock with Burr's help and gives him a lick. Burr exuberantly pets him, never looking away from Tilly. Thanks, Burr. How's it going? Tilly takes his hand and steps onto the dock. Burr pulls her board out of the water. I'm good. Caught some fish this morning. Would you like to come over for dinner? My mom could cook it for us. Oh, thank you, but I can't tonight. I should send P out with you sometime. He loves to help with fishing. Bird tries to hide his disappointment with a weak smile. Hi, Ike. I see you got your boat going for the season. Nice. Yeah, it was a long, cold winter, but she started right up. Is this young man bothering you? Ike scowls at Burr. No, thanks, though. I'll let you know if he does. Tilly smiles at both of them. Hey, Ike, did you happen to see the logging trucks on Blue Lightning when you were out riding? That seems so close to town. What's up with that? No, I didn't. I'll try to see who's up there and where exactly. Greedy, pillaging bastards. Thanks. I was especially concerned because the road they were coming out of is awfully close to the sacred grounds. I didn't have pee with me when I saw them. He was doing his rounds at the mountain rest home. The folks there love him. And I was nervous to go in by myself. I'm on it. Tilly hugs Ike. Thanks. Burr gives her a what-about-me puppy look, so she hugs him, too, and smiles. Burr looks up to the heavens with a smile. Tilly picks up her board. Let's go pee. She loads it into the long bed of her old white Toyota pickup truck and opens the driver's side door. Load up. Pedro jumps quickly into the truck, moves over to the passenger's side, and puts his head out the window. Tilly waves goodbye to Burr and Ike as she drives off. Chapter 3. Sky Blue Linen 1984 Button-Down Brooks Brothers Shirt Morning light streams through the kitchen window the next day as Tilly makes a smoothie and Pedro paces anxiously at her feet. She opens a locket hanging around her neck, looks at it with a pause, 
closes it, and kisses it gently. Pedro paws at the front door, then nudges the paddleboard and barks. No pee, it's a mountain day. He barks again. We went swimming yesterday, remember? Why do you have to swim today? Tilly bends down to hold his head, her face close to his. Because you are Pedro de Sousa Saramago Magellan and every ounce of your doggy DNA needs to be in the water, right? Tilly turns to put a dish in the sink, and when she turns back around, Pedro gives her his most convincing puppy eyes. Don't you give me those eyes. I read that you dogs do that on purpose to manipulate people. Well, it works, you. Tilly hugs him, then grabs her phone from the counter. I'll tell Camus we're water dogging it today. She won't be happy. Tilly and Pedro swim and play in the lake. They practice retrieving a weighted baton. Tilly throws it, he reaches it, and then bumps it under the water again and again with his nose so the game of fetch is never ending. Pedro suddenly stops his game, barks, and excitedly swims off. P, come! P, stay! Tilly calls. Pedro swims quickly toward the island they had seen the day before. P, come! she repeats. P, return to ship! Shit! Pedro bounds out of the water onto the shore and shakes himself off as the chocolate lab kisses his face and turns to run up the trail. He follows her disappearing into the woods. Tilly docks the paddleboard and follows them up a steep, meandering trail through tall bushes and wildflowers. She hears a hawk call overhead and recognizes that as a sign of something, but she does not know what. Pee, come! Pee! Tilly runs fast up the very steep last stretch. She arrives at the top a bit winded, pausing with her hands on her thighs. She walks through an arbor with vines, which leads to a quaint old cottage, overgrown with climbing rose bushes, with a porch and a red front door. The surrounding air has the rich almond clove smell of lilac bushes. Tilly can hear Pedro barking, not in a fearful way, but in an I'm so excited and where are you Tilly kind of way. He and his new friend run out from behind the cottage and race up to Tilly. She laughs in relief and pets them both as a man bursts out the door onto the front porch. Graham Selkirk is ruggedly handsome with tanned skin and deep crow's feet around his blue eyes. He has a scruffy beard, longish blonde gray hair, and wears a well-made but lightly frayed blue linen shirt, shorts, and no shoes. The peeling paint on the well-constructed cottage seems to match its owner's demeanor, both weathered survivors. What are you doing here? Graham says in a firm, low voice. This is a private island. Didn't you see the signs? Surprised by his unfriendly tone, Tilly responds defiantly. No, I didn't actually. My dog heard your dog barking and I came looking for him. It is private. His tone softens. You better get back. Those skies look dark over there. I'll walk you back to the dock. As they walk toward the path to go down, Tilly notices a rustic deck platform overlooking the lake with a metal frame on top of it. Pedro runs up and sniffs around it. What's that thing, if you don't mind me asking? I do mind, actually. Well, aren't you a man of mystery? Graham grunts. And you're a trespasser, so pardon me if I don't give you a tour, water princess. I was just curious... Well, you can be curious about someone or something else, somewhere else. Be on your way now, Graham says as he motions to the path down. Graham grimaces as he starts to walk down the hill. He puts his hand on his thigh. 
At the bottom of the hill, Pedro jumps on the paddleboard and the chocolate lab follows, sitting as close as she can to him. Tilly catches Graham with a small smile. He quickly turns serious again. Come along, Roxy. Roxy doesn't budge, sitting very happily with Pedro. He calls more loudly, Roxy, now, come. Roxy kisses Pedro with a lick, whimpers, and jumps off the paddleboard onto the dock. Graham walks briskly with a small limp up the trail, and Roxy follows. Tilly gets onto the board and pushes off with her paddle towards the marina. After several strokes, she looks back towards the island with concern. Well, he was certainly grumpy. I hope he's nicer to Roxy than he was to us. Pedro barks in agreement. Tilly pets him, then paddles away from the island. Chapter 4 Oak-handled, 61-inch long, 1943 fishing net. The next morning, the sounds of Led Zeppelin from Ike's houseboat ripple loudly over the shimmering lake water. Ike sits reading in his chair on the deck. Stacks and stacks of books surround his chair and fill the boat's cabin. An old, scraggly black cat saunters around the boat until he sees a bird land lightly on the bow. He crouches down and slowly stalks along towards the bird. The bird flies to the adjacent houseboat, a similarly ancient, funky vessel with a diving board on the deck. The cat pounces to the neighboring boat, with claws out ready to grasp the bird. He miscalculates, his momentum too great to stop, and skids off the edge of the vessel into the water. Ike hears the splash, looks up from his book, and stands up. Suerte, not again, he exclaims as he shakes his white beard. He grabs a long-handled fishing net and scoops the dripping wet scrawny cat out of the water. He deposits Suerte on the deck and grabs a towel. Come here, you old cat. He grabs the cat by the scruff of the neck, wraps the towel around him on his lap, and dries him off lovingly. Listen, Swert, you're already on your eighth life, so you need to take it easy, man. One of these days, I'm not going to see you go over. He lets Suerte go, and the cat slinks off to curl up in a sunny spot on the deck. Ike sits to read his book in the sun. After a good hour, he reaches over to feel a dry cat and says, Let's go see Bear. Suerte jumps up, runs down into the cabin, and curls up on Ike's bed. Ike starts the engine and pulls out of the slip onto the lake. Chapter 5. Chenard Equipment 1972 Red Backpack Tilly runs up a steep mountain trail followed by her best friend Camus. Pedro veers off the path back and forth to chase chipmunks, squirrels, and barks at low-flying birds in the woods. Tilly reaches an overlook at the top of Amber Hill. Camus arrives almost a full minute after her friend, very winded, her freckled face flush. Camus is strong, athletically built, with an artistically tattooed sleeve on her left arm. She has curly red hair, and some might label her full-figured. She wears a dead Kennedy's t-shirt and sporty bright colors. What the fungus? Damn, Tilly, slow the hell down, girl. I thought you said we were going on a hike today and then you run the whole way. Don't you ever stop to smell the pine needles? Yes, I do. I smell them as I run past them. Oh, you do, do you? Camus says with a smile. I think you're going so fast you can't see or smell a damn thing. Where's P? Oh, gosh, P. See, you lost your damn dog. Pedro races up the last part of the hill to the edge of the rocks at the lookout, nearly falls off, then turns around and licks Camus's hand. What's your t-shirt? OMY? 
I was going to ask you earlier, but we couldn't even have a conversation because you were racing, not trail running. It's a project I'm working on. They sit down on a large flat rock overlooking the lake. Tilly pulls some fruit, bread, and cheese out of her backpack and sets them out on a large, colorful cloth napkin. Mmm, yum. I want to hear more, but first let's have a beer. Kama grabs a couple of laughing dog IPAs from her backpack and opens them quickly with a beer opener hanging from her pack. She puts her mouth over the escaping beer foam, first one, then the other. Tilly laughs. You can't go anywhere without drinking, can you? That cold beer does look perfect, though, especially paired with this manchego. Yep, beer is one of the five basic food groups. You have five, I would have guessed fewer. Beer and pizza, ice cream, huckleberries, and cannabis. Tilly laughs, shaking her head. I think you're one of the strongest people I know, despite the questionable things you put in your body. Camus flexes her impressive bicep in the air with the beer in her hand. Food rewards the watts. Why else would we suffer? She takes a drink. So what's the project? Tilly looks out over the lake and is quiet. Finally, she says, Sometimes when I see the coal cars passing over the lake on the train tracks day after day, I feel so helpless. What's the big deal? We need that coal to make the cities light up, right? Tilly pulls her beanie down over her eyes to hide her tears. She keeps it there and continues slowly. Did you know that they chop the tops of mountains off to get to that coal and they don't put them back? Camus puts her arm around her. Oh, you sensitive twit. I love your passion. I prefer passion for handsome guys. Thank goodness the earth has you. Tilly pushes the cap up, tears still in her eyes and smiles at her friend. So OMY stands for one more year. I had a dream about a month ago about the crying Indian. Camus looks confused. You know, from the public service announcement in the 70s that tried to get people to stop littering and polluting? We're too young to remember, but the roadsides across the country were a dump full of litter back then, Tilly explains patiently. Indian is not PC, Camus teases. I think the dream was telling me that we need another PSA to curb our overconsumption. That's one more year. Huh? Camus grunts with her mouth full. People should keep their stuff longer. Don't just go out and get a new cell phone because you're eligible. Don't lease a new car because you can afford the payment. Don't buy that new outfit because you're depressed and bored. I just did all three of those things this month. What's wrong with that? Tilly doesn't laugh. You know I'm kidding, but I did think about doing those things. I know I won't change you overnight. God knows I've been trying for years. But if you just wait for one more year on one of those things and your neighbor does too, and your mother and her neighbor, it might slow down the zombie wastefulness. Tilly's voice becomes louder and louder. Even our energy-efficient cars have batteries that come from water-polluting lithium and copper mines. We need to slow this all down. Pedro raises his head from sleeping and barks. Sold. Where can I get my t-shirt? Tilly smiles broadly, pleased. I'll make you one tonight. They pack up their picnic, walk into the woods, and squat down to pee, their faces looking out over the bushes. I meant to tell you I met a strange man with his dog on Opal Island yesterday. He was grumpy and unhappy. You be careful, could be some weirdo out there. No, he was unusual, but I don't think he's a weirdo. They pull up their shorts and walk to the trail. Love you, sister, Camus says. Love you too, friend. The two hug. Tilly and Pedro take off running. Slow your skinny butt down! To be continued.
podcast music is Dalai Lama Riding a Bike by Javier Peque Rodriguez. A link to his music on Spotify and Bandcamp are in the show notes. Support messages of peace in the planet by joining my Patreon for as little as a cup of coffee per month at patreon.com. Just search Avis Kalbspeck or Pedro the Water Dog to find me. Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet books 1 through 5 are available at all your favorite online bookstores or at avaskalfspec.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you again. Listen for the peace.